2022. But this morning, the Lord's given us something in place of uh, next week. You know, you prepare for months to explain the New Year's theme and to preach that. And up until Friday, I was prepared to preach that. And then I said, okay, Lord, it looks like we're going to have to postpone that until next Sunday. And the Lord was faithful to give us something to be a blessing to lead up to that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Jeremiah chapter number one. Jeremiah chapter number one. For those of you visiting with us today, thanks so much for coming and being a part of Central today. I do want to invite you back next week. Uh, I'll tell you, our choir is worth the cost of admission. Amen. Looking forward to hearing them sing. And I really am looking forward to sharing with you what God has put on our heart for Central Baptist Church in the new year. Jeremiah chapter number one. If you're there, you can and you don't mind. Let's stand together as we read a little bit together. Stretch your legs. I have good news for you today. Uh, Brother Kyle texted me a moment ago, if you saw me pull my phone out, Brother Kyle texted me a moment ago from the sound booth and said, your batteries are almost dead. And I thought to myself, how horrible you would like that uh, if my batteries ran dead during the message. So he came over during the offering to him and brought me fresh batteries. And so we're good to go for a while here this morning. You can thank Brother Kyle. He's the guy back there on the right. You can slash his tires before he leaves today. Jeremiah chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible says the words of Jeremiah, the sons of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anahoth in the land of Benjamin. I hope I got those words right. If not, you can look them up when you get home. Verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Verse 3, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. I hope you got those names right. There will be a test here at the end of the message. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God. Notice the exclamation point. He's serious. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege to be here today. And I'm thankful for those that are able to make it, that are well enough to be here. Lord, a lot of our people, Lord, half our church nearby is not able to be with us today. And Lord, I'm thankful that we can be together even by a live stream today. And I pray you bless them, give them healing. I pray, Father, you'd not allow this, Lord, to spread any more in our, in our nation, Lord, not just in our church, but, Lord, I pray you'd put an end to this soon, that, Lord, we'd not have any disruptions. But, Father, thank you that we have a place to come, uh, a book that we can open, a message that we can preach. And, Lord, thank you that you knew who was going to be here today, and you've sent what we need, and I pray that we respond to that today. If there's one here today who doesn't know you personally as Savior, someone who's not 100% sure that they died, they go to heaven today, I pray you'd show them their need and they'd be saved, Lord. Have that security before they leave here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I've read through the book of Jeremiah many times. Obviously, it's because we share the same name. And as a young man, I used to read through this a lot. And then after I surrendered to preach as a 15-year-old boy, 
Uh, I read through it even more because obviously we have some similarities here to where God is calling another young man to ministry, and uh, I wanted to learn all that I could from this other young preacher, being a young preacher myself. Now, what we've read about today is where God has called this young man, Jeremiah, uh, to the ministry. God has called him to do his will, and God has presented his will to this young man, and God's gotten very specific about what he wants him to do. Aren't you thankful today that God not only makes his will known to us, but God makes it clear? Uh, God doesn't want his children to live in confusion. No one here this morning does God want you to live in confusion. God doesn't want you to be confused about where you're going when you die. That's why he sent Jesus and made the way very clear that we could be certain and clear that we have a home in heaven with him. You can have that before you leave here today. But then after we get saved, our heavenly father loves us. Once you get saved, God becomes your father and he has a will for your life. Just as I have a will for my daughter's life, what I want her to do and who I want her to be, According to God's word, God has a will for our life, and God makes it very clear to us. It's contained in his word, and he shows us by his spirit. But I want you to notice something happens, something very interesting here. The Bible says, verse 4, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he told him what he wanted him to do. And watch verse number 6. The Bible says, then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot As Jeremiah looks at the will of God for his life, and God made it very clear, Jeremiah speaks to God, and he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I can't do that. Now, this should be something that's very familiar to all of us, because at one point or or, or many points in our life, God's going to make his will known to us. Uh, God's going to make his will known to you that he wants you to spend eternity in heaven with him. After you get saved, God's going to make his will known to you for how he wants you to live and, and how your home should look like and what our children should be raised in. And he's going to make that clear. But at some point in your life, God's going to make his will known to you and you're going to come to the place like Jeremiah has where you begin to give God reasons why you can't. This is very familiar to me because God makes his will known to me and I begin making reasons why I cannot do what God's told me to do. Now, what we're about to see is one of the most common reasons and reactions to the will of God. Notice, rather than heeding the word of God, Jeremiah is hesitating when it comes to the will of God. Have you ever been there? All right? We know what God wants and we know what God says, but rather than heeding the word of God, we hesitate when we come to the word of God. Now, hesitating is an interesting little uh, tactic on our part. You say, why is that? Well, hesitating is not a yes and it's not a no, is it? It's kind of like when your wife tells you, or maybe your husband, maybe one day ask you a question that's hard for you to answer. Honey, does this make me look good? And you hesitate. You didn't say yeah, you didn't say no, but you know there's a lot said in hesitations, aren't there? My wife's asked me before, hey, what do you think about this dress? Does, does this dress make me look this, just make me look that? And, and, and I'll go, she goes, you hesitated. And there's something in the hesitation, isn't there? When you hesitate and you don't ask, you're not saying yes, but you're not saying no, but you are saying a lot. Why? Because the truth, listen to this, the truth is when it comes to the will of God, a hesitation can be more dangerous than a no. You say, well, how is that? Well, it's a no without saying, and it's a no that you become comfortable with. 
How many of us that God's going to make his will known to us? I want you to be saved. I want you to spend eternity in heaven with me. I don't want you to die and go to a devil's hell, all right? I sent my son that you didn't have to do that. And we don't tell God, no, no, I don't want to go to heaven. I mean, how foolish would that be? But we hesitate. You see, hesitation is a way that we say no to God comfortably. And it's a way that we say no to God without saying no at all. I read this quote by George Henry Cecil. He was of the Vanderbilt family. He was president of the Biltmore Farms. I think a lot of you have probably been to the Biltmore Estates. He said this, On the plains of hesitation bleached the bones of countless millions who at the dawn of victory sat down to wait and waiting died. Can I tell you why so many Christians are spiritually dead this morning? Can I tell you why so many churches are spiritually dead this morning? Can I tell you why you're not able to go about and do the will of God in your life? It's because far too often we get comfortable in our hesitations. And we have hesitated concerning the matter of the will of God in our life. Now, here's what's interesting. We didn't say no, but we also didn't say yes. We're hesitating. And that's why we're missing out this morning. I, I fear the church has become the world's largest waiting room. Have you ever been in a waiting room before? You know, you're waiting to see the doctor or you're waiting to see the dentist and you hear the drill going back in the background and you're just, oh, very uncomfortable. And you're sitting in that waiting room waiting to go back and get done what needs to be done. I fear the church has become the world's largest waiting room. We're a bunch of people who are sitting and hesitating concerning the matter of the will of God. And can I tell you, you can hesitate your life away. Do you know that it was hesitation that cost the children of Israel the promised land? God made his will known. There's a promised land. Just like for you and I, there's a promised life that God calls us to. doesn't mean we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, but it means that God has a perfect plan for our life, and he promised that for the children of Israel. But what did they do? They hesitated their time away. They never said no. They just kept hesitating till it was gone. I want you to think about this morning Lot's wife. We preached about Lot last week. Lot and his family were brought out of that horrible city of Sodom, and then what did she do? She hesitated, and she looked back, and she became a pillar of salt, if you believe the word of God, and I do. She missed out on the deliverance that could have been her. Why? Because she hesitated. The rich young ruler that came to Christ and asked how he could go to heaven, Christ showed him the way, and yet he hesitated, and he missed out on heaven. Listen, hesitation will cost you the will of God for your life. We've got to get to the place where we quit hesitating. We know God's will. Now we've got to do God's will. Now, here's next Sunday rolling around. It was supposed to be today. Next Sunday is Vision Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to share with you my heart. I mean, it's been on my heart since October, what God desires to do in our church and through our church in 2022. God's going to make his will known. You say, well, you're not the greatest preacher in the world. Does it matter? The Holy Spirit of God will make his will known to you. And God's going to show you what he wants you to do in the new year. He's going to make it known to you. But the decision we have to make is whether or not we're going to hesitate concerning this matter of the will of God. Now, we're going to look in the life of Jeremiah this morning, and we're going to see something play out about how God showed him how to handle hesitation. That's the message today, how God handles our hesitations. And I want to give you three reminders before we resist the will of God, all right? Do you know you can resist the will of God? You don't have to go to heaven, all right? It's not mandatory. You don't have to go. You can choose to reject God, choose, choose to reject what Christ did on the cross for you and I, and yes, you can go to hell, but that's not the will of God, but you can reject it. 
But before you reject it this morning and next week and all throughout this new year, I want to give you three reminders that will help you to get over your hesitations. Now, look closely at verse 4. The Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, So God's about to make known what he wants him to do. Verse 5, the Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee. Now, here's what's amazing. Do you believe that God knows everything? I do. I believe God knows everything. Past, present, future, God knows everything. I believe God knew Jeremiah's excuses before he ever gave them. A lot like a parent, we know what our kids are about to make an excuse about long before they make them. I know my kid that well. I know the excuses she can make. My father knows the excuses I can make. God knew the excuses Jeremiah was about to make. And God gave him the answer for his excuses before he ever gave them. What's what's his excuse? Look at verse 6. Ah, Lord, God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Now watch how God responded before he ever said those things. He says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah says, God, I can't do what you've called me to do because I'm just a kid. And here's God already telling him in verse 5, don't tell me who you are, I created you. I know who you are. Don't tell me why you can't do what I'm calling you to do. I'm your creator. I made you. Number one this morning, the excuse of who we are and who we're not and why we can't is invalid because of this. Number one, we were created for God's will. Notice what he says in verse five, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, here's what's amazing. And I laughed. Look, I sat on my couch last night and this morning almost laughing at Jeremiah, but I realized I was laughing at myself. Because here's Jeremiah trying to convince his creator why he can't do what God created him to do. You're thinking, how foolish. Yes, we're guilty. Why? Because God calls us and God makes his will known to us what he's calling us to do. God's going to make that clear. And then we sit and we argue with God on why we can't do what our creator made us to do. What does he say? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, why is this important? you got to hear me out today. Capability is the most common hesitation for doing the will of God. Capability is the most common hesitation for doing the will of God. Well, I just can't because I'm not capable. And yet, you know who the one we're telling that? The one who made us. Let me give you some examples. Remember Saul? When God was calling Saul to be king, Saul's answer was this. And Saul answered and says, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest tribe of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of Benjamin? Wherefore then thou speakest unto me? Saul says, God, you're calling me to be king, but I'm of the smallest tribe? God, you don't know who I am. I'm just a low life. I'm a little nobody. Keep listening. When God called Moses... Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken of thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. God's calling Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. And Moses says, God, you don't understand. Listen, I, I can't speak. I don't have that ability. What is he doing? He says, I can't do what you're calling me to do because I'm not capable. You see, we have Saul and Moses both hesitating on the will of God because they're not capable. But do you know what this shows us? Paul says, you don't know who I am. Saul says, you don't know who I am. Moses says, you don't know what I am. Gideon says, listen, my family is poor. 
And I'm from the smallest tribe of Manasseh. So watch this. Saul says, you don't know who I am. I'm a nobody. I'm a little guy. Moses says, you don't know what I am. I am not eloquent. Gideon says, you don't know where I'm from. But can I ask you a question? Who are they talking to? They're talking to God. They're talking to their creator. Do you know what that tells you and I this morning? Who you are, what you are, and where you're from should give you no hesitation on doing the will of God because faithful is he that hath called us. God knows whose door he knocked on. And when God calls us and God draws us, listen, there's no point in arguing with him. There's no point in being hesitant. Why? Because no excuse is going to be valid because he knows who we are, what we are, and where we're from, and yet he still called us. Notice what he says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Notice that's not a fetus, that's a child. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto nations. Can I tell you something that I'll encourage you today? It may even make some of you smile, I don't know, but I'll try. God will handle the who, God will handle the what, and God will handle the where if you just handle the will. Okay, God says, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, or where you're from, all I need you to do is to be willing. So Jeremiah's arguing with God. God, I can't do this. I'm a child. God says, do you realize who you're talking to? You're talking to the one who knows you better than you do. Why? Because I made you. Beware this morning. Beware that your capability argument isn't an availability argument in disguise. Did you hear me? Beware that your capability argument to God is not an availability argument in disguise. So what do you mean by that? Beware that your I can't is not an I want, won't in disguise. I read an example this morning. I told my wife about this. Never quite noticed this before. In Exodus 3 and 4, when God called Moses, you know, he was back there in the desert walking the sheep, and uh, God speaks to him out of a burning bush. And says, hey, I, matter of fact, let me just read it for you, okay? Uh, I mean, uh, I, could, I could just summarize it for you, but there's nothing better than the word of God. Exodus 3 and 4, I want you to see this for yourself. Listen close to what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 3, God calls him. The Bible says in verse 11, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go? Well, it's God called him. He's being hesitant. Who am I? Who am I? And then he goes on to say, ver- uh, chapter 4, verse 1, And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. God, who am I to go? And then when I go, they're not going to listen to me. What is he doing? He's hesitating. But watch this. I've never noticed this before. God blurts something out in verse 19. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, go return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. Why did God say that? Why did God say that? Moses says, God, you don't understand. I can't go. They're not going to listen to me. I believe hidden back in the dark reaches of Moses' heart was fear of those men who wanted to kill him. And God says, could we clear something out of the way? Let's get those excuses out of the way. It's not an I can't. It's an I won't because you're afraid of those men that are going to kill you back in Egypt. He says, could we just go ahead and clear the deck? They're dead. You see, his I can't was really disguising and I won't. And we sit here, invitation time, 
We go through the invitation time, pianists play in the altars. Open folks come down and pray and thank the Lord for that. How many times do we sit in those chairs and we're talking to God and we're saying, God, you know, I just can't do that. I can't afford to do that. God, I just can't go there. God, you know what? I, I can't surrender and be a preacher or a missionary or whatever it is God wants you to do. And we're selling all these can'ts, but really our can'ts are just disguising and I won't. God says, I see past all of that, and I see the real reason back there is just you don't want to. Folks, could I beg you this morning, be careful hesitating the will of God away. God's made his will known, and look, there's no need in arguing with him. Why? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, I hope none of you here this morning have ever played hooky from school, okay? And so we're going to talk almost as if this is hypothetical, because I know none of you good Christian people ever, ever went, played hooky from school. All right? But there are people who have played hooky from school, right? We've heard about them on television, right? Yeah, we, we don't know what it is. Let me explain it to you. It's when you skip going to school when you should be at school, okay? And I know some of you are like appalled by that. Oh, I can't believe people would do that. Yeah, people do that. They skip out on going to school. None of our Christian school students do that, right? Never, never, all right? Well, let me tell you a story. When I was a young man, uh, I went to uh, Bassfield Elementary and uh, didn't have as close a walk with God back then as, as I do now. And I can remember several mornings waking up not feeling like going to school. You ever not feel like going to school? Yeah, like every morning. You ever not feel like going to work? Yeah, every morning. My mom come and she wake me up. Hun My mom's so sweet waking me up, honey. Time to get up, time to go to school, you know. And, and I just wasn't feeling it. You ever just have days you're not feeling it? All right, I have days like that too. I wasn't feeling it. I said, Mom, I don't feel good. Truth. Truth. When you're thinking about going to school, how could you feel good? I said, Mom, I just, I just don't feel good. She goes, really? I said, yeah, I'm just, ooh, I'm just not, ooh, I'm not feeling good. Here's what I knew. I knew that when the school bus pulled in the driveway around 725, Coach Huff drove our school bus. When Coach Huff pulled in, there was a rumble when you heard him come down the dirt road, you heard him, and you heard him when he stopped in our yard, and then you heard him when he backed out, and you heard him when he left. I knew that if I could just hold out and hesitate long enough until that bus left, I was free. I was good. Man, I'm feeling better all of a sudden. And I could watch Hogan's Heroes, Beverly Hillbillies, and Price is Right with Bob Barker. I don't know that new guy, but Bob Barker, man, he just had it. But I knew if I could hesitate long enough, the bus would leave me behind. And I could go about doing what I wanted to do. Isn't that what we do so often in the house of God? We just keep hesitating long enough. Hesitating. He's going to leave me alone. If I can just keep hesitating long enough. But can I tell you something this morning? It's to your benefit you get on the bus. Don't let the bus, listen, don't let the bus of salvation leave you behind. It can. There are people this morning that are burning forever in the devil's hell. Why? Because they said, if I can just hesitate long enough, that preacher's going to shut up and we get to get out of here. Yeah, the bus will move on, but you want to be on that bus. Listen to me, Christian, this morning. I don't know what the will of God is for your life other than what the word of God says. He's going to make that clear to you. And you're like, man, if I can just get to this service, if I can just smile and nod my head a few times, maybe he'll hurry up and let us go. Sure enough, I will let you go, believe it or not, all right? I will free the hostages before too long and let you go home, and you can go to Popeye's like everybody else. But, oh, you don't want to miss the will of God. You don't want to miss that bus. 
You want to be on the, look, 26 years, 26 years ago, almost 27 years ago, I surrendered my life to Christ. Okay, whatever you want me to do, I have not been perfect. I have messed up a lot along the way. But can I tell you something this morning? I'm so glad I got on the bus. I'm so glad I didn't sit there as a 15-year-old kid and try to argue with God and convince him of something that he knew better. Why? He's my creator. Don't argue with him. Quit telling God what you're not. Oh, God, I, I can't do what you want. Quit telling God he knows you. Why? He created you. The reason you shouldn't hesitate doing the will of God is because you were created for it. You were created for it. Who you are, what you're capable of, that was all given to you by God. Why? For his will. So how do you know that? Let me give you a verse because I don't think you believe me. You don't look like you believe me. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the 24 elders around the throne. This is what they say. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are created for the will of God. That's why. Do you know why you draw breath today, Christian? To do the will of God. Do you know why that thing is still beating in your heart? To do the will of God. All right? Look, you are here for God's intentions, not your inventions. Never forget that. All right? You draw breath for God's intentions. That's why you're alive. That's why God left you here. Not for us to figure out, what can I do with my life? What can I do with my time? No, I was created to do the will of God. There's no point in trying to argue our way out of it. Years ago, I'll give you this, I moved on to point number two. They get shorter. You see, I have more time to put into point number one. You ever know how that works? That's how it works. I have a lot of time to put in point one. And then point two gets, gets a good bit of time, but man, the week gets busy, and by the time we get to point three, it's short, so there's hope, okay? Uh, when my daughter was young, uh, a good friend of ours raised these, these great bloodline beagles. He was a rabbit hunter, I rabbit hunted with him, and he gave my daughter this little beagle, and she named it Hoover, because the guy who gave it to her's name was Herbert Hoover, also not the vacuum guy, but his name was Herbert Hoover, so she named him Hoover. So Hoover was our little dog. And he had a champion bloodline of chasing rabbits. I think I have a picture of it up here. Uh, we'll show you guys. There's little Miley with Hoover. I think the picture's skewed because she wasn't that short, you know. But uh, I just think the picture skewed. Hoover was such a cute little dog. He was a good little dog. And I think we have another picture. I decided I'm going to train Hoover. Did I get you all that picture back there? I was going to train Hoover. So you see me back there in the back, back line. I have a fishing pole. And in my hand, I have a rabbit fur. And what I'm going to do is I would take that fishing pole, that string on it, and I would drag it all the way around our house and down around by the church and through the woods. And then we would take Hoover and we'd turn Hoover loose. And we'd say, Hoover, go get it. Because I didn't know how to train a dog. I just figured that was the best way to do it. And so I'd open the cage and Hoover would look down and then he'd look up and he'd just wag his tail. I said, Hoover, go get it, buddy. You know, I mean, you're a champion. He was the pick of the litter, literally. I mean, he was the good one. Good-looking dog, man. Just had all kind of good muscle about him. Had a smirk on him. Just an all-American dog. He's just a good dog. And every time I'd open the gate, Hoover would just stand there looking up at me. Molly came over and she says, Dad, why won't he chase it? And I said, well, well, babe, he doesn't know it yet, but there's a champion inside of him somewhere. It was so much of a champion that somebody came during the night and stole Miley's dog. And that was the last pet she ever had in this life. But I want you to think about what I told that dog. I don't know if he understood me, but I told him anyway. I said, Hoover, there's a champion in you, man. You just don't realize it yet. All that bloodline was in there. The capability was in there. We just had to help him find it. Can I tell you something this morning? 
all the capability, the will of God, God's given you what you need. Look, God's going to call you to what his will is for your life. God's going to give you what you need to do, the will of God in his life. There's no point in arguing with him. Why? He created you. He gave you what you needed to do, his will. No need to hesitate. You were created to do God's will. But watch this. God gets more specific in verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Watch this. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So God's going into greater de- detail why Jeremiah shouldn't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Why? Number one, you were created for my will. But then verse 5 says, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto nations. So not only did God equip him to do his will, he called him to do his will. So this is number two. The reason you shouldn't hesitate to do the will of God, number one, you were created to do the will of God. Number two, we are called to do the will of God. What he say? I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, Jeremiah was missing the point. And this is the point I think we miss. This was not a request by God. This is not God saying, Jeremiah, would you like to be a prophet unto the nations? Hey, I've given you all these gifts. I've created you for this. Would you mind doing that? No. Notice what he said. He says, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, the preparations that God had made came with a purpose. God gave him and made him who he made him to be because God had a plan for his life. It's a lot like my brother-in-law several years ago. And if I, I'm going to try to get the story right. If I don't, you just nod or tell me I didn't, okay? At Christmas time, we went over there to Louisiana to my family's house, and we're all sitting here opening presents. So I asked my brother-in-law, hey, what did you get for Christmas? My brother-in-law says, I got a hedge trimmer. I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry. I like something to play with, okay? Don't give me a tool. I want something to play with. And uh, he said, I got a hedge trimmer an edger, and a weed whacker. And I, I almost felt like I needed to give him some of my presents. Like, I'm so sorry, you got tools for Christmas. I think that's what he wanted, but I says, who'd you get those from? He says, my wife gave them to me. And I was like, oh, I wonder what you're supposed to do with that. Kind of a message, huh? I mean, look, some of you men may learn something that saves you a week of silent treatment. If your wife gives you a tool, there's a good chance, watch this, that equipment comes with expectations. What? She got me a lawnmower four years ago and it's been sitting under the garage. I didn't know why she got it for me. The equipment comes with expectations, okay? It's the same thing with the will of God. God created you, what did it say? For his pleasure and for his will, and God has equipped us to do what he's called us to do. Now, folks, you and I have got to just come to the fact and face the fact that God has called us to move forward in his will for our lives. Quit arguing with God. He's equipped us. He's created us. That's why Ephesians 2.10, listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Notice that. We are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus, what? To sit around and enjoy each other's company. Nope, nope, it says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to have fellowship one with another all the time and just bide our time until Jesus comes back. No, let me read it for you, okay? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto is a directional word. God says, I created you. You are a new creature, a new creation, and that new creation has a purpose, and that purpose is the will of God. We are called to it. 
It's not optional. God has a plan for our life. Now, God's equipping always comes with expectations, and God has expectations for Central Baptist Church. Next week, we're going to have Vision Sunday. I'm so excited about it. I do hope you come back. I hope I've mentioned enough about it that you're going to be here next Sunday. We've got big canvases going up on the walls and banners up on the stage and a new background up here. So excited about what God's going to do. But most importantly, we're excited about what God wants to do through us and how God has a will for Central Baptist Church in this new year. Opportunities God has for us. We have wonderful people here. We have wonderful facilities here. God's blessed us with resources. Now God says, I didn't give you that for nothing. I have a calling for you. And you've got to accept that calling. So here's Jeremiah, verse 6. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I can't do it. Why? I'm just a child. There's no need to hesitate. Why? Number one, he was created for God's will. Number two, he was called to do God's will. This morning I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. He's one of my heroes. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I feel like Paul's a goody two-shoes. never got anything wrong. And sometimes you don't want to read after Paul because he seemed to get everything right. But I was reading after Paul. Because he was successful, I want to be successful. Can I tell you what the Apostle Paul called himself? Listen close to some of his hesitations. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Paul called himself the least of the apostles. Paul also called himself not worthy to be an apostle. And yet Paul ended up being one of the greatest apostles. How? How? Oh, in my life... I have hesitations so high that sometimes I can't keep track with all the hesitations of why I can't do the will of God. God, you don't understand. God, I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't have this. I'm not from there. And I'm not, you know, all of these I'm nots. And I'll let my hesitations talk me out of the will of God. The Apostle Paul says, let me tell you what I'm not or what I am. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles. And Paul says, I'm not worthy. Why did he say that? Well, because he stood there and watched why one of the most faithful followers of Christ was executed. And yet, Paul overcame those hesitations. How do you overcome those hesitations? How do you get over being the chief of sinners, the least of the apostles, and not worthy to be an apostle? I'm fixing to tell you how. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, listen closely. The Bible says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Stick with me here, please. How did Paul get over his hesitations? He knew he was called. He knew he was called. Paul says, my hesitations are huge. I think of myself as the chief of sinners and not worthy to be an apostle and the lowest of the apostles. How do you get over that? Knowing that you're called. Knowing that you're called. When I moved here, Oh, my goodness, uh, 2019, mid-2019, I had no idea what I was in for, all right? Not because of you. You guys have been all right. But I had no idea what was going to happen in the world. And it's, it's been an exciting two and a half years, I'll tell you that. Somebody said the other day, I'm glad you didn't quit in the midst of all of that. And I wasn't meaning to be cocky. But here's what I told them, you can't quit on a call. You can't quit on a call. In spite of all that we've gone through, there's one overriding factor in my life that keeps me where I'm supposed to be. It's a call of God. Knowing that I'm called. Do you know what ought to get you over every hesitation you have in your life? Knowing that you're called to do the will of God. 
Well, you just don't understand. I, I'm not good at sharing Christ with other people. Me either. But I'm called to it. Called to it. Well, I'm not good at, at bringing up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know what? I'm, I'm not either. But I'm called to it. I'm not good at giving leadership in my home all the time. I'm not good at being a godly husband all the time that loves his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm not good at it a lot of times either, but I'm still called to it. And that overshadows everything. How did Paul do it? His calling overshadowed his hesitations. And then finally, I'm going to give you this, and I am going to let you go. The Bible says, verse 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He says, you're created for my will. He says, I sanctify thee and ordain thee. You are called to my will. But there's something in there you've got to see, and this is where we want to bring it home. It's a sobering, sobering reason to get over our hesitations when it comes to the matter of the will of God. There's a word mentioned in verse 5 twice. It's the word before. Watch this. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. The Bible says, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Do you know what that means? That means Jeremiah has no excuse not to do the will of God. Because before God ever created him, and before God ever called him, God had taken care of anything that would stop him from doing his will before. That's why you need to understand this morning you've got to handle your hesitations because number three, we are accountable to the will of God. We're accountable. Every reason... Every roadblock, every excuse not to do the will of God. Listen close. Verse 4. Before I formed thee in the belly, listen to the next two words. I knew. I knew. God says, Jeremiah, you're not going to offer me any excuse that's valid. Because before I, before I created you and before I called you, I knew. I told you when we came here in 2019, we had no idea what we were going to face. I remember sitting in my office. Brother Brent comes in there, and I was on the first Monday morning, and he says, okay. I says, all right, show me what a, daily, a day looks like here and a week looks like here. He says, all right, this person does this, this person does this, this person does this, and I'll never forget what he said. He lied to me. Oh, he lied to me. He says, you just handle the preaching and look out for the congregation, and we'll handle the rest. He didn't lie to me. He didn't know of this thing called COVID that was coming just a, a few months later. He had no clue. He didn't know that our world's about to get turned upside down, and I was not going to be able to look after the congregation because the congregation wasn't going to be here. Everybody was going to be gone. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, this ain't working out like I thought it was. I thought I was going to get to stay in my office all the time and pray and sing holy, 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 and, and just get ready to preach. And now the world's been turned upside down and you become a paramedic and a fireman all at the same time trying to make sure that nothing falls apart. You know, Brother Brent didn't know what we were going to face. He didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know. But God knew. Now, stick with me. Stick with me. You know, I could say, you know, Lord, look, I came here and I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic and all that. And because you know what? I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. I take it back. I'm not coming to Central. I'm not going to pastor Central anymore. And some of you would say, amen. But can I tell you something? Even though I didn't know it, God knew. I'm still accountable to my calling. Do you know why? Because God knew. 
You're still accountable to the will of God. No matter what comes your way in life, Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm a kid. They're grown-ups. They're not going to listen to me. God says, I knew that when I called you. And God didn't make a mistake when he called you. One of the most blessed things I have seen in my Christian life, a lot of it has even happened in the last two years, is people that are fighting life-threatening diseases. We have a few in our church right now who the doctors have no other help for them. Thank God he always has help, but the doctors do not. You get a cancer diagnosis that unless the Lord intervenes, your time is severely limited. Do you know what that'll do? That'll make you hesitant about the will of God. God, I planned on serving you, and God, I planned on doing your will, but I didn't know I was going to get cancer. I didn't know that I was going to die younger than I thought I was, and so you know what? I have an excuse to quit. No. Oh, we have a couple of blessed members of this morning that are dealing with cancer, and I sit there and talk with them. And how their testimony is keep moving forward in the will of God for their life. Do you know why? They didn't know cancer was coming. But God did. God says, I knew what you were going to face when I called you. Do you think the Red Sea took God off guard when Moses ran into that Red Sea? Moses says, God, you called me to lead the children of Israel out. And I led the children of Israel out. And look, I don't know if you know this, but there's a Red Sea here. God knew. God knew. There's no excuse for Moses to quit and go back to Egypt. Why? What does it say? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew. See, it's no excuse. There's nothing we will face that's an excuse for not doing the will of God. You're going to be accountable to the will of God. Why? Because God knew. Now you say, well, I didn't know what was coming my way. Here's the good news. You're not accountable for your circumstances, but you are accountable for your obedience. I can't tell you what's coming my, day, my, day, my way tomorrow in my day. I think I know. I have a schedule of what I'm going to do tomorrow, I think. But you never know. My schedule could get upended. Now, I have no control over my circumstances, but I have control over my obedience. And I'm going to give an account to God whether or not I did the will of God in my life tomorrow. Why? Because regardless of what comes my way, God knew. And his will was still valid for my life. Folks, this morning, as we look toward the new year and the new theme of what God's calling us to do, I assure you there's no hesitation that you have in your heart right now about doing what God is or will call you to do that's going to be valid before God. It's not going to work. Why? Jeremiah says, Lord, I I can't do this. God says this, and I'll close. Look down, if you will, verse 7. But the Lord said unto me, say not, say not. Now, I'm not going to answer the word of God this morning, but I want you to pretend with me. Can we all pretend? All right? We're all, we're all so have youthful looks on our face. I think we can pretend. Let's pretend together. Verse 7, but the Lord said unto me, say not. I want you to stop right there in your mind, and I want you to put a blank. Put a blank. Jeremiah's excuse was, I'm a child. That may not be your excuse. Could be your excuse today, but a lot of you are beyond childhood a little bit. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Say not what? Why can't you do what God's called you to do? God made it clear what he wants you to do. Why can't you? Say not. God says, say not that I'm not talented. Say not that I can't do that. Say not that I don't have the courage. Say not that I'm not from that kind of family. Doesn't matter. God says, I know what I called you to do. You were created for it. I called you to it, and you're going to be accountable for it. Because even though you don't know what's coming your way, I knew long before I ever called you. 
So you better learn to handle your hesitations. This morning before I close, I wonder today if there's anyone here who might be here who has never trusted Christ as their Savior. Now listen to me. Boy, I have good news for you. This morning, God draws our heart to him, and we feel him tugging. We're uncomfortable. You say, but my heart's uncomfortable. Something's not right. There's something I've got to get settled. I'm not sure if I die, I go to heaven. I've got to get that settled, all right? That's God making his will known. God knows how to make us uncomfortable. And then we're going to argue with God. No, God, I, no, 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 no. I, I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer. That makes, means I'm saved. Oh, you can pray a lot of prayers. It doesn't mean you're saved. So I've been dunked in that baptistry 15 times. Doesn't mean you're saved. The Bible says it's not of works. That water can't save you. Are you 100% sure you've trusted Christ as your Savior? And if you died right now, you're going to heaven. Now watch this. Don't look at God and tell him why you can't. Well, I've been too bad. I've spent 17 stints in prison, you know. It don't matter. He knew when he called you. And he made a way that you could accomplish his will. He says, I'm not willing that any should perish. And that was through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. He's called you. And oh, one day there's going to be an accounting where you and every person who's ever drawn a breath will stand before Almighty God. For those who hesitated their time away, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. No, 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 I'm not going to Just, man, as long as I can get out of here in just a few minutes, I'll be over with. You hesitated your time away. The Bible says you'll stand in front of a great white throne of judgment. And it's time to give an accounting. And God's going to say, remember when that goofy, big-eared preacher... Got up here and preached too long, and you just couldn't wait to get out. And you hesitated and hesitated and hesitated, and finally you got out. You missed the bus. The Bible says you're going to give an account, and the sad thing is it's going to take all eternity to give that account. And the sad thing is you didn't have to because Jesus made a way. He knows who you are today. He knows where you've been. It doesn't matter. He'll save you if you'll let him. Now, for the Christians here today, could I beg you, as we look toward next week, Vision Sunday 2022, why don't we decide we're going to leave our hesitations behind at the altar today? Well, who, you don't know who I am? Yes, he does. He made you. He knows who you are. Well, you don't know what I am. Yes, he does. He's God. You don't know where I'm from. Yes, he does. He's God. Quit arguing with him. Let's leave our hesitations behind and look forward to the will of God in this new year. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together.